we sent a message that I will be teaching on Christ. What our gain? What is your own gain? What is your gain? At the end of the day, you know, when you and I have transversed the world, what will be your gain? Okay, from the scripture, the Bible will have us to understand this as saints of God, that your gain ultimately is who? Christ. And on that note, we take off tonight. And so, our Father, we want to thank you tonight. We get great desire in my heart. I ask, O oh God, that your word will come powerful, powerfully to your people. Transforming us, changing us, and making us to conform to all that is Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You receive it, say good amen. amen. Praise God. Okay, so Christ, our gain. This is going to be more of um, looking at scripture line by line. And uh, what we're going to be doing tonight is to look at the book of Philippians and chapter 3. Come with me to the book of Philippians and chapter 3. So let's do a, some line by line study, verse by verse, by verse. So let's get to business. Philippians three. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Not in yourself. Not in anyone. Not in anything. Not in your nationality. Not in your achievement in life, but in who? In the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, it's not grievous. It's not burdensome. I will keep writing the same. You know, sometimes, when people hear the message of Christ, it seems as if it's boring. Are you just going to be preaching the same thing? There's nothing to preach but Christ. The apostle preached and taught the same thing. They were teaching Christ. The only challenge is that Christ is endless. It's manifold. Dimensions unlimited in him. To write the same thing to you, to me it's not grievous, but to you it's what? It's safe. So if you really want to help your people keep preaching the same, it is safe to preach the same thing. It is safe to keep preaching Christ. To think we want to be dynamic and we're going to preach any other thing apart from Christ to the saint, you understand, is to bring them to platform or position when they're going to shipwreck their faith. Verse 2. Beware of dogs. Ossetian? Doberman? Is that what he's talking about? Beware of dogs. You see, if you are somebody who plays with the letters of the scripture, you would think beware of dogs talking about Ossetian, Doberman, Perkins. You understand? Bulldog. But he's not talking about dogs physical. He's talking about human beings who behave like dogs. Who will bite you. 
who will back at you. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Evil workers are they into occultism? Charm? Hamlets? Is that what they will use? Evil workers? I don't think so. Beware of concision. Beware of the concision. Now let's get into the amplified and get the you know expanded meaning of this. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2. Look out for dogs. And in bracket, he put dogs at Judaizers. Legalists. So, legalists, Judaizers. Look out for the mischief makers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Those who put Christianity at the realm of the flesh and who want to do things to their body by mutilation cutting themselves and doing certain things to their body, thinking that if we buffet ourselves in the body, then we present ourselves acceptable to God. Now you can do that to the gods you create in yourself, in your confusion, but not the God we meet in the scriptures who present himself to us in Christ. That's not the God we meet that way. So Apostle Paul said, beware, watch out. You know why you have to beware? They will enjoy you. They will outsmart you. So Judea is a legalist. You understand? We destroy your faith. See, one of the things I found that is when we talk of legalism, we take it casual. But if there is anything that opposes Christianity, it's legalism. The apostle, one of the things, one of the people they contended with were legalists. In fact, legalists were the people that, that, that crucified Jesus. Legalism is one of the most dangerous sects that opposes Christianity. Legalism. Now, even when you are born again, if you are not circumspect to discern what Christianity is in Christ, you'll be practicing legalism. And when you see anybody who attempts to bring pure gospel, people like you will fight such. Immediately, Paul got born again and he started preaching Christ. You know the people that wanted to keep Paul? His fellow legalists. His fellow Judaizers. Paul was a Judaizer. Paul was a legalist to the core. And after he met Christ and he was now on a journey, on a voyage, preaching Christ, immediately the legalists swung into action. They wanted to keep up. So, the commitment to any legalist is not to fellow legalists. Their commitment and allegiance is to their what? Personal convictions. It's to those things they call Christianity. It has nothing to do with you. So, if you are a fellow legalist, the day you change and you turn to true God, the fellow legalist will come after you. You look at it. Even in, you know, in religion that are non-Christian, and if somebody has been a religious person in a sect, you know some of those religions, and you get born again, your family member can come for your throat. Your father can ostracize you. Your father can kill you. 
your parents will reject you. So you see, all along that all of us have been living, as if we are in bond of love, we never love ourselves. We are only defending our convictions. And if anybody contradict our convictions, we will come for that person. Be it that person your biological child or children. You understand? And the same thing goes for Christianity. Christianity is not about you and your pastor, you and fellow saint, you and anybody. It's only you and your pastor, you and that fellow saint because that fellow saint carried the same Christ. Once Christ is absent, fellowship breaks, broke, you know, breaks down. Do you get that? Now come with me. Put your hand there and let's go to First John and chapter 1. So really, our fraternity is not really with one another. It's only with one another because our fraternity is with Christ. Where Christ is not there, fraternity breaks down. Fellowship breaks down. Apostle Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven preach another gospel, let us be a cause. In other words, it's not about Paul. It's only, you know, the, 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 look, my relationship with you only stands as long as you see me bringing the gospel of Christ. When I cease to bring the gospel of Christ and bringing another gospel, your commitment and interaction with me breaks down, should break down. First John 1. Are we there? Verse verse 3 now. That which we had seen, we have seen, and heard, declare we unto you. So they saw something, and they heard something, and they declared to those people that you also may have fellowship with us. So we declare what we have seen and heard to you that you too may have fellowship with us on the basis of what we have seen and heard. See it? That you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So, what we have seen, what we have heard in His Father, in the Son, is what we are communicating so that you too can have fellowship with us and by extension have fellowship with the Father. And where what we have seen and heard is not in alignment with the Father and the Son, there is no fellowship. Are we together? So, hear me. What is true for Christianity is also true for every other religion. So the Judaizers, let's come back to Philippians chapter 3. So look out for dogs, verse 2. Amplified, I'm reading. Judaizers, legalists. Look out for those mischief makers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. You see, it's so easy for a man to do a lot of things externally speaking and think that external disfigurement, external mutilations, external adjustments is what really presents us as religious people. That is, you know, in human wisdom, it looks wise, but that is not right and true as we come to Christ. It breaks down. There's nothing like that. Verse 3. For we, we Christians, are the true circumcision. 
So the Judaizers are false circumcision who only pride themselves in external circumcision, removing the foreskin, you understand, of their penis, removing the foreskin. But you see, the true circumcision is that God circumcised our heart by exchanging it with a new heart. That is the true circumcision. For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the spirit of God and glory and pride ourselves in who? In Christ Jesus. Or in Jesus Christ. And put no flesh Sorry, who put no confidence or dependence on what? On what we are. I'm saying it amplify. In the flesh. So, you can put confidence and dependence on who you are and what you are in the flesh. When you do that, you quit being a functional Christian. Christianity delivers you from confidence and dependence on who or whatever you are in yourself. Confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh and on outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances. You see, everything that makes man to have some form of local standing you understand? By the reason of Christ is made of no effect. That's what Paul is saying. Everything you are in yourself. You see, what man is in himself are all these things. Outward privileges, physical advantages, and what? External appearances. That's what we are. Talk about any man in himself, you will meet any of this. But the Bible says, we Christians, we don't have confidence in all sorts. Verse 4. Though for myself, so I'll come to Paul. So now look at the general thing Paul has for us here. So Paul first give us something that is generic for us saints. Something that is general. That for all of us saints of God, once you become a Christian and you are found in Christ, an end has come to who you are in yourself. And the end has come to your family heritage. And the end has come to your religious heritage. Somebody say, I was raised up in a Christian home. And the end has come to those things. Somebody said, oh, my parents, you know, what I am today, my parents has been the, pers- the people that guided me, that helped me. Otherwise, I too, I would have gone wayward. You're not going wayward. It's still part of religious, you understand, problem. We don't pride in those things. We don't put confidence in our financial advantage. In our financial, you understand, possession. You don't. Your academic achievement. I'm talking about Christian and Christianity. Your social heritage. Your social standing. So whatever you are in yourself, whatever you are by yourself, whatever you are, in terms of human achievement is concerned, you have been a virgin all your life. It's nothingness when we come to this. Are we together? You have been raped. It's nothingness when we come to this. 
You have been active sexually. It's nothingness when we come to this. You have stolen before and then has come to it. You have never stolen all your life and then has come to it. Are we together? You have sinned before. You have never sinned. Whatsoever you are, positive or negative, comes to an end. Hear me. When a man continues to feel guilty before God on the basis of negatives of his life, he is born out of arrogance and pride. That's legalism. When you continue to feel bad, feel guilty, and think of yourself, who you are, what has been done to you. You know, I hear something like, you know, people being abused. You have been abused sexually or however abuse is. It has still has happened. It has gone. If you're a Christian, move on with your life. You have a new local standing in Christ. Stop holding to those paths. What if you have never been abused? You will have had a better stand in Christ. See how our mind plays on us. See how our mind. Are you telling me that there are no other sins you have committed willfully before God? Are you saying that the one that was done against you without your will is more gruesome than the one you have done yourself? In fact, the one you have done yourself should be more gruesome than the one that was inflicted on you. Am I together? Are we together? But you see, self-righteousness. See, social life, our social environment allows you to continue to whine in those negatives of your life. And you will continue to pride ourselves in our personal arrogance and self-righteousness. It's not going to get you anywhere. Whatever you are, negative or positive, in the past, in yourself, is over. In Christ, hear me, you don't have any natural advantage. And you don't have any natural disadvantage. In Christ, Christ is the only advantage you have. Are we together tonight so whatever we are in ourselves is over game over external appearance hear me somebody had tattoo before he met christ external appearance somebody never had tattoo external appearance who is better a christian none of them are we together somebody had two limbs one did not have one doesn't have one limb none of you is better let every man abide in the calling wherewith he is called in Christ. If you can use it, if you can be free, be free. But otherwise, serve God in that place. If you had tattooed before you met Christ, serve God with your tattooed body. If you can't, you, you don't want to remove your skin because you fell because you, 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 that's, not, that's not the thing. Are we together? So Apostle Paul began to remind Christians. And to really bring it home, he brought himself to the picture as the arch legalist. He brought himself and he began to use himself as a what? Scapegoat. As a model for understanding. So we want to you know, unlock certain realities through the servant of God. So let's begin to see Paul what he explained of himself. So let's get to verse 4 now. For though for myself, I have I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. You see, I've had this. 
that you know if you are rich, God will use you. And your riches will really create platform for the spread of the gospel. That is human wisdom. That is your wisdom. God doesn't operate that way. See, you, see let, let's get something. Riches, physical, is not tantamount to spread of the gospel. The mere fact that a ministry is reaching more people doesn't mean Christ has reached more people. Let's get some of these things. See, we must be circumspect with the way we... You know what servant of God was saying something? He was saying something that one of the things God will use in the last days to spread the gospel and that every Christian will watch for is money. And he was using the example of Joseph Arimathea that who could have taken Jesus to that place and asked for the body without a rich man? And that's why you have to be rich. And I said, here yeah, you go again. What, did, did Jesus not see Joseph Arimathea all along? Why did he make him one of his disciples? Why did he make him one of his core? The truth is this. There is a place to use Joseph Arimathea as God didn't feed. But hear me. If you know your calling, not many, not many noble are called. Not many rich. You know why? It will be difficult. Can I say this? For Dan Gote to sit down here and be coming to a meeting every now and then and be doing discipleship. And be, you know what I'm saying? It will be difficult. You think I'm saying? It will be difficult for many of us who are already encumbered with many things to learn God. It will be difficult. Even though you are a Christian, many rich people will patch Christ. They will just patch it. They can't get into certain depths. Not because a rich man cannot, but you cannot give it what it takes by the reason of the encumbrance. You know what God said? Huh? Remember now your creator what? In the days of your youth. When you are not yet encumbered. A time is come, you are encumbered though. You can't read Bible the way you are supposed to read it though. The challenges of children, challenges of your wife, challenges of your husband, challenges of family members, challenges of making it. You know it now, many of us. Are you so zealous like before? You have to do the same brain, the same 24 hours. Imagine you are not married. You only care for the things of who? Of the Lord. But now that you are married, you are not just going to care for the things of the Lord, but there is a distraction by articulating the things of your family. Do you know what it took Jesus to, to train and drill the Peters? He took them out of their business. How many rich men can be taken out of their business and to follow Jesus for three years? You know what it means. Jesus is not telling them, go and do all this, go and close your business. He just grabbed them and that's the end. And you know to know Jesus too, to know God too, is, is time consuming. Do you get that? Okay. That's why you see many people today who are really, you know, a lot of pastors were raised on campus when they were young. A lot. A lot of pioneers. Look at Paul, look at Peter, all of them. You understand? They were removed practically from their life. Okay. Let's move to this. Do I myself have land? ground to rely on the flesh. So if you are looking at somebody who can rely, who can say something confidently of his own achievement in himself by himself, Paul was one. If any other man consider that he has or seems to have 
reasons to rely on the flesh and physical and outward advantages. I have still more. If anybody will talk about I have more. Physical appearances, physical privileges, external. And he began to list it. Verse 5. Circumcised when I was eight days. Covenant of circumcision made with Abraham. I was part of it. His family and what? Jewish what? Heritage. He had it. And these are the things that the Jews pride themselves in. That made them to think they were better than who? The Gentiles. Of the race of Israel. Do you know in those days, an Israel, a Jew, an Israeli, thinks that is above and supreme to other, other men. And Paul said, I had this mentality. Are you getting that? Of the tribe of Benjamin. What? Of the tribe of Benjamin. That was a warrior. You know, so, you know the man that was of the tribe of Benjamin? Saul, that first king of the tribe of Benjamin, of by no mean. You remember Benjamin, one of the sons of Joseph? You know that, because that Benjamin that Joseph told them that they must bring of his tribe. A Hebrew of Hebrews. This is a Hebrew of no small stature. As to observance of the law, I was of the party of the Pharisee. You know the meaning of a Pharisee? The Pharisees were top in legalism. Keeping the law. You understand? Knowing the scripture, though letters, they were up there. And not just that Paul grew at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the professors of the law. Professor of law. Paul grew at his feet. Paul attended Harvard of those days. In terms of theology, Paul was an astute theologian. He had it up. What do you want to say? No. There is no way you can set aside Paul. Are we together? Now look at, look, look at it now. Was a party of the Pharisees. You know everybody look at the Pharisees in those days. The Pharisees were the intelligentsia as far as religion, as far as you know, the letters of the scriptures were concerned. Verse 6. As to my zeal, I was what? a persecutor of the church and by the law standard of righteousness, supposed justice, uprightness and right standing with God, which and right standing with God, I was proven to be blameless and no fault was found with me. In terms of self-righteousness, I was up. Righteousness, keeping laws, keeping rules, you understand? The do's, the don'ts, sabbath, no food, no days, I kept everything. And if you don't keep it where I'm keeping it, I come for your throat. I was a watchdog. Verse 7. But whatsoever former things I had that I might be gained to me, everything I had that made me to have self-worth amongst men, that gave me local standing, that gave me that kind of audacity to talk, to challenge, to move, to gain respect and applause among men. 
whatever those things were. Now look at it. I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Everything. I've considered them as loss. Verse 8. Yes. Furthermore, I count everything as loss. Compared. Now let's get to real stuff now. Compared to the possession of the priceless privilege. The overwhelming preciousness. The surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And of progressively becoming more, more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him fully and clearly. For his sake have what? Lost everything. And consider it all to be mere worth rubbish. I, I think this man is beside himself. Do you know everything you are praying for when you give back to your children? This man, what this man called rubbish. Everything an average man long for, everything society celebrates, everything you want. See. Everything that you used to describe the man, the zenith of his career, this man considers rubbish. In order that I may win Christ, the anointed one. Hear me. Until the world pales before you, we can't really appreciate Christ. Until the revelation of Christ get done on us. And we know nothing, nothing, now or tomorrow, can ever be compared to this priceless, this unfathomable riches, this unending person that represents and epitomizes treasure. Until you see the wonders. You and I celebrate misery. That when a man uses life to chase anything and everything apart from apart from Christ, Apostle Paul will call that man. You understand? Apostle Paul in heaven will be pitying that man. Remember, they are watching us. They look at us. That Abraham. Had an understanding that this thing is not about Canaan land. That when he got to the land of promise, he built tent and he was looking for a city. Do you know the city they were looking for was not physical but a person? Christ is a city. Christ is a city. Christ epitomized beauty, everything. In life, Christ epitomized. You know, I was thinking, and I really like thinking along this line. And then I got discussing with somebody. How many of us have heard of think tanks? Think tanks. You see, think tanks are men who are not involved in the normal buying and selling that all of us are involved with, they are unknown. They are outside the scope of the mundane. 
But they are human beings. Like, they are not born again. I'm not talking about being born again. No. They operate at the level of the soul. They are the one that shapes society. That dictate in their thought. They are bringing new discoveries. They are forming system of government. You know the Socrates, the Aristotle. Those guys were think tanks. They formulated things. Do you know your democracy was formulated by those guys? The plateau. They, this, they live beyond their head. I'm not talking about being born again. Have you heard of scientists? The physicists. They are physicists. They are chemists. Hear me. Some of them don't have the luxury of this world. But in their personal adventure, they have come to terms with realities in the level of the soul that, hear me, give them the best jet in this world. It doesn't move them. They delve with the level of innovations, discoveries. Some of them have grown white hair, gray hair. See, some of them, they don't even have the order you have, you have your sitting room. They don't have time for all those things. But hear me, what they are discovering, they are across the globe. That, you see, they are the one behind what is called intelligent missiles. They are missiles that will be sent to a man that will give, that will target that person. It won't go amiss. This is the house we want to bring down. And that missile is intelligent. It brings that, that, that's the work of physicists. They are there. Some of them are not buying all the cars you are running after, you know, like you are a footballer, they pay you so much and they start buying cars and jumping around. They, they are not involved with those kind of things. They are the ones that dictate the strength of society. They come with innovation. They tell you we can bring new bridges. Bridges that will go under the sea. They come with, you know, for instance, I was reading one time of maglev. I've shared maglev with you. Magnetic levitation of, 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 of what? Uh, of trade. The track is a magnet. You put electricity and the magnet will, the train will float. Now that's it. Work of physicists. Some of these guys, all they do is to think, is to research, is equations. Hear me? Money, food, clothes, all these things you are, doesn't move them. They are delving into realms of treasures. They pity people like us. They pity billionaires of this world. They don't boast in money. That's why ultimately, when, even when God is to judge, he won't judge by material things. How many of you have seen? So I've seen people in this town have a lot of money. They make money every day. I know a man, his business sells as much as four, five million per day. And the man is not educated. Money comes, see, the money that comes to him is just too much every day. And it's not, he's just buying and selling. He came to Shagam as an artisan. He learned something from his 
you know, from his in-law, and they started this, and selling, 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 and then he was fortunate, like that. He's not educated. He's not even into societal anything. His life is locked in that buying and selling, locked in that. I don't want to be that. But he has all the money. Hear me, hear me. Until you delve beyond the realm of having, you have not begun life. And so, we have those dimensions. Now, I am using material things and artillery things to stimulate you. You know, I know this prof. Back then, oh, you. He's one of the most rugged prof that we had then. This man really wears shoes. He comes with slippers. But if you know the number of students this man has sponsored, his house is open to students. This man is rugged to the core. He's into research. He kept researching and bringing things out. He's not. See his car. What this man have done? Because he's, he's into kind of adventure that he has considered you understand, greater riches than accumulating things. And that is true at the level of soul. Now Paul is now bringing something here. That in the past life, my life was in my family heritage. My life was in my religious heritage. My life was in my financial heritage. My financial possession. My life was my academic achievement. My life was social standing. Political net, you know, standing, network, influence. This man met Christ for the first time. He began to see the frailty of all these things. And Apostle Paul began to delve into Christ. Hear me. This servant of God entered into a see, see. When you hear Christ, you think Christ is a person. Is a person, but Christ is a world. It's a new world that eyes have not seen. What is the difference between hear me? What is the difference between a suke badge and to be seated? If both of them are seated, if you have never met any, if you don't know anything about them, and both of them sit here, you probably might not see any difference. Hear me. So man is not different from man by just mere external, external looking and everything. But by the time we delve into your soul, we begin to see what individual soul has interacted with in terms of knowledge, in terms of what intelligence. In terms of achievements, apart from that, we are not different, correct? Now, hear me. So, what makes us different has to do with the world we have entered. So, somebody who has lived, let's say now, that has lived in Denmark or Switzerland all his life, comes to this church today, he thinks differently. A lot of things that will move you will not move him because of where he's coming from. He will have this kind of confidence. 
He will have this kind of attitude that is born out of where he's coming from. Do you understand what I'm saying? His soul vibration is different because of the world he's coming from. Now let's put it there. Suppose he will, he's never to go back to that world. He's now in Shagam for, you know, for the rest of his life. That thing will still affect him to a large extent. Do you get that? So you see, man is different from man, not on the external, but the travel of our soul, the gaze of our eyes, the gaze of our ears, the perception of our ears, what our hands have taught. Now hear me, on that basis, we glory. So the, mo- the amount of money you have taught with your hand, I've touched billions. I've touched this. So it differentiates us. I'm using, I'm using physical thing. Now hear me now. Paul is now raising it. That we, we have gone beyond that. We have touched Christ. We have seen. We, see, you couldn't have and return and billions will move you. That's what the apostles were saying. That's what, that's why Paul could stand before Agrippa. And the powers that be. And he was not intimidated. You see, you will not talk as a Christian because even though you are a Christian, you have not seen beyond material things. You have not seen beyond degree. That's why you feel inferior to somebody who is more educated than you. But you don't know that all of us we have different levels of education. But one thing has come. Christ has become an equalizer. But you don't appreciate him. You believe to Christ, you exalt Harvard. You believe to Christ, you exalt money. So you think your life is fuller because you have money and your life is lesser because you don't have money even though you have Christ. Yeah, the Bible says you are complete in him. So when there is no money, you get angry all over the place, you're troublesome, your life is rough, and you don't even think of Christ. No joy, nothing is sorrow, fight, and everything. Wow. Don't you know God has helped you to reveal that you really need help? That's what has happened. Now when money comes, you are so excited. You are jumping. You are serving God. A lot of people serve God in the church. Is it because they, not, they touch Christ? It's because we are materialistic. It's because we are idol worshippers. You think you worship God with money? No. You think when I have money and I can serve God? No. Hear me. If you cannot serve God when you don't have money, you can never serve when you have money. In any case, you never have money as a Christian and you never lose money as a Christian. As a Christian, you can never have money. As human beings, you can have money. We don't talk of money in our kingdom. We talk about Christ, our riches. A Christian can never be rich in money. A human being can be rich in money. Now, because a Christian, that Christian, is also a human being, he can be rich in money, but once we are talking about Christianity, we never mention money. That's why you can never glory in money, and that's why also when you have money as a human being, but because, because of the superiority of your calling Christ, you enforce that life over the money you have, and you never boast in it. Am I talking tonight? This is liberating, oh. If you enter what I'm talking about, you are liberated from misery. I was watching a documentary 
on Thomas Edison House, his factory, that, is it 2040 or 2004? Or 1940 or 1904 something. I can't remember the exact year. It was called and it was called upon that his factory, and it was said that this is a factory has labored for all his life. It's, this is this is his achievement. It was on fire. Now all the firefighters of different states came. They couldn't put it out. It was a chemical company. The whole thing got at fire, and that was the end. From one house, one you know. F- industry like that, one to another and everything. And then his son came and they were there watching. Every attempt they couldn't. And then he sent his son, he said, go call your mother to come and see the blueness, the ecstasy of this fire because she might not have a pot to see something like this again. And his son said, dad, are you crazy? He said, but this gives an opportunity to see. He might not see this kind of blueness and this kind of flame and this kind of beauty of fire again. He said, call her because by tomorrow we are starting again. The following day, when they put out fire, they started erecting. You know, you and I will see more for the next one year. Because that's your life taking. Are we together? Are we truly Christians? How many of us believe that we have a long journey to go? We have a long way to go. A long way. Long way in this adventure. That God will test us. That God will help us. You know, you are, in fact, me, we're talking confidently. We are on here and say, God is going to test us. God is going to test this, the words, the, you know, the, the stuff we are made of. So Apostle Paul said, everything I consider as dung. How many of us in your heart of heart, everything has become dung for Christ? We are not talking of theory, we are talking of art experience. We are talking of take everything you have taken nothing out of my life. Take my wife, take my children, take my money, take my life, you have taken nothing. If you take my life, I only leave this place, I'm still bound to the master. For whether the Bible says no man live to himself, whether we live or we die, we die and live to the master. We have not lost. Apostle Paul said that we should not sorrow like unbelievers sorrow, as hopeless people. That if any Christian passed on, see, there is a way believer operate that he keeps saying we are human, we are human, we are human. For the next two weeks, you are still behaving like this. Two months, three months, for what? Because somebody passed on, didn't the Bible tell you that you have gained that person? But we don't believe scripture. Yet, you say Christ is your gain. Somebody has now left to ultimately gain Christ. You said, God, why did you do this? So what you are telling God, all along, that man has been the God of your life. So God took that God. Your life crumbled. Hello? No man is the God of your life. I'm not the God of my wife. She's not my God. I'm not the God of my children. I'm not, you understand what I'm saying? The truth is this. If I die today, they will leave. Do I want to die? No. But can I die? Yes. Does any one of us want to die? No. But can you die? Yes. What will happen to all of us? We we'll only feel it for a while. We'll continue. 
In fact, the only thing that we can't hear your voice, I know you'll be telling us, oh boy, oh guys, stop all this nonsense. Move on. Something better have entered. I was almost dreaming of Canada. I was almost dreaming of Czechs. I was almost dreaming of Australia. I didn't know a world better than that. It's cream, but you can't hear. But God said, you don't don't even have to hear. Hear what the Bible has said by faith. So Apostle Paul said, I consider everything as dregs. For his sake, I've lost everything. And consider everything. Did Paul set everything on fire? No. Did Paul, you understand? Did Paul undo everything? No. His art attitude. His art connect with things. That you must connect with things and relate with things in a way that certain people call detachment. All to things with detachment. Be detached from your husband, even though you love him. Be detached from your wife, even though you love her. Be detached from your children, even though you're a steward over them. Don't let your child go and your world is gone. You have told Christ, you have never my world. You have heard it, this is my world. My children are my world. How can that be? Frailty. My cars are my world. My dog is my world. Nothing must be your world. Not your achievements. Do you know, if we all have this understanding, there will be revival of humility. There will be revival of dignity. You are, See, this is the gateway to true love amongst husband and wife. This is the gateway to true love among parents and their children. Between parents and their children. This is what sets free. This is how to truly still walk in. When you have this attitude, when you enter into this, brethren, you know what happened? You will truly be a blessing to your generation. Because there is nothing again that you are bound to. And there is nothing that you cannot use to serve the interest of God while you are here on earth. Apostle Paul said, I count all things as done. Hear me. If you have that gain and material things is your gain, there are certain quarters. If God brings you, you never talk about Christ. You'll be afraid. Because you wouldn't want to lose, connect, and all those things. Because you'll be after those things more than Christ being known. There are messages you can't preach in certain quarters. There are certain stands you can't take. There are certain postures you can't make. There are men that should not touch you that will become your husband. All because of things. There are places that your Christian life must be made known. You should say, it's over. I can't continue this kind of circle anymore. I'm losing my mind. Christianity is being strangulated in my heart. No, I cherish Christ more than financial gain. It's over. I'm not coming for that meeting tomorrow. I can't be part. I can't be part of. It's not because I said you people are evil. It's just because I don't have enough heart to continue in this. I'm not judging anybody. But there's something more that I'm for than this temporary thing. Christ again. Verse 9. And that I may actually be found 
unknown as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own and based on my obedience to the law, to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, supposed right standing with God, thus acquired, but possessing genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, and truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Verse 10, that's where we close. For my determined purpose is this, that I may know him. Brethren, at the end of your Christian journey, what must come out of your mind is that you know Christ. When you are living this world, that you may know Christ must be your obsession. Hear me. Your hundred years of sojourning here is too little to know Christ. In any case, many of us even got born again too late. You came to Christ too late. And we are not even restless, in our, relentless in our no, pursuit of him. We pursue many things at the expense of Christ. In fact, when we come to church, most of the time, it's not to know Christ. And when the message of Christ is being taught, a lot of people easily quit. They can't travel that journey. It gets boring. You know why? Because... It, it, message of Christ is not about fun. It's not about buying jets. It's not about using things. It's not how God wants to take you from the over and take you to King's Palace. In the message of Christ, in his wisdom, he can take you from King's Palace to the over. We don't tie Christ to, you know, actually things that those are in the King's Palace, those are, you know, Somebody gained contract in this church, you know, he gained contract of 30 billion, you know, one to one seller won that competition and they gave them $100,000. The integrity will now have a, you know, to glory that you say our church, you know, we are the church of God. You, you need help. What did I say? You really need help. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. What's your outcry? That I may know him. That's Christianity. Christianity that I may know him. Hear me. See, it is when you know Christ that you can know your wife. It is when you know Christ that you can know man. See, when you know Christ, when you see man, you know that man is frail. A lot of things man will do will not move you again. A lot of things move us because we don't know Christ. See, when Christ is formed, hear me, all the deformity of men will not move you. Because in seeing Christ, you will have seen yourself too. That you are worse than the person that you think you are better than. The reason why we do a lot of things, we are arrogant, you can't forgive, is because you don't know Christ. So, you still do things, you and I still do a lot of things out of self-righteousness. I'm better than him. I can't do this. Look at what he's doing. How can somebody do this? So, when you see all this, you have presupposed saying that you can never do those things. But hear me, God will not tell you you can do that. He show you Christ. And by the time you see Christ in his glory, you will see how far you are. Now, he doesn't just show you how far you are to intimidate you. He, you understand say He enticed you with the glory of Christ. He calls you to partake of his glory. 
He calls you into the same. And what the Bible tells us, that I may apprehend. Now that's why we close. Verse 10. That I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Oh gosh. Oh, you want to see the wonders of Qatar? Qatar is building some amazing stadia for 2022 World Cup. Amazing stadia. Hotels. You talk of five star, seven star. They are taking the stars of hotel to another orbit. The footballers, men that will visit Qatar, they will get a run for their money. Dubai has just finished building, you understand, a 210 story building. High rising. You look at it, your eyes face, you can't see the end. How did that be? These are wonders. But hear me. These are wonders that pays. You know, Apostle Paul never saw any, ice, any skyscraper. You don't have to see it. Christ is enough wonder. See Christ. You have seen the end of all wonders. Sky. You see Christ. The Apostle saw Christ. They held Christ. See, see. The, the innovation the technology that will be built in the next hundred years, the apostles have, sub, have seen beyond that because they've seen Christ. The wonders of Christ should be your pursuit. That's why if you don't have opportunity to travel abroad, you have not lost anything on earth. May you not lose Christ. Ah! You think I said? Not everybody eventually will travel. Some people will not live at Akaka till they die. May they, hear me, while they stay at Akaka, may they possess Christ. May they see the wonders. That's what pastors should be doing to their people. Introducing us to the wonders. To the wonders. And in his wonders, may, may we do wonderful things on earth. With our family, with your wife, with your children. In that domain, with the resource, the limited resources that you have, and with the abundant resources that you have, steward it, use it well, put up excellent things, but see to it that the restraint of the life of life of Christ give you boundaries without cutting corners, cheating other people, and dehumanizing fellow man. See to it. Lord have what? Mercy. That I may know him and I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exacts over believers that I may share of his suffering as to be continually transformed in spirit to his likeness to, to his likeness even to his death in the hope I'm going to continue next week I thought I would finish this in today I'm going to get to 13 
when I'll tell you how Paul now summarizes and say, I press. Let's, let's see verse 13 as well. We'll come to that. I do not consider myself to have captured. I made it my own yet. It's a progress. It's a marathon. See, it's amazing to me the way people, all of us undo Christian life. This undulating life. Eat and run. You are there today. You are not there. No! I do not consider brethren that I've captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, this is what all Christians must be doing. It is my own aspiration. Forgetting those things that are behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal. I press on I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize. To win Christ. Which is what? Our upward calling. The high calling of God. Next week, I'm going to be sharing on that. Apostle Paul said, I press. Brethren, do you know the way you press in the wonders of this world? You went to school. Primary. Your parents felt primary school cannot help you to, to appreciate the wonders of this world. They took you to secondary school. It's not enough. You went to university. They said you want your first, first degree, second, third, what? And you kept moving. And if your direction is not that, you kept reading. You kept breaking. You understand what I'm saying? Wonders of this life. Now, if that, if for the wonders of this world, the wonders that money will bring to your life, the wonders of possession, the wonders of provision of food, of clothes, a man will stress his life. How much more the wonders Christ has brought. Brethren, may you gain him. May we gain Christ. May after all your toiling and sojourning, and by the time you are leaving this world, you hold the hand of your children, I've gained Christ. May you tell your children, may you gain Christ. May you talk to your children. I have houses, and if you don't have any, you have not lost. Depending on how you lose your how you use your life. Hold your hands and tell them, May you gain Christ. And tell this world, bye bye. We have used you well. We have served the only one to be worthy to be served. Worthy to be served. We have served him. I have stewarded. Now I hand over the baton to you. May you not fail in yours. May we gain Christ. May our children see nothing in us. May you not epitomize wealth before your children. May you not epitomize any other. May you epitomize Christ before your children. May the Lord have mercy on us in Jesus' name. Lift your hand to the Lord and say, Father, I thank you. Christ, my gain. Christ, my life. Christ, my everything. Talk to him. Christ, everything to us. He is our everything. May I gain him. May Christ ultimately be the cities, be our achievement, be our gain. And in that context, may we steward all that God has endowed us with in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you.